Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome back to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. Today we have Brand Hanley on the show. Brand is an accomplished executive recruiter with experience serving large multinational corporations, startup enterprises and middle market companies in the U.S., Following a 20-year career with Procter & Gamble and Walt Disney, Brandt established ROI in 2009, the premier U.S. middle market executive recruiter to better serve the growing top executive talent needs of the middle market companies. Brandt is also the host of a podcast called Into the Corner Office. In his podcast, he has powerful conversations with CEOs about their journey in getting to that office. I was a proud guest, or I am a proud guest, of episode 28 of that show, and that's how I met Brandt. Brandt, thank you so much for accepting my invitation to be on this show. Oh, Leticia, it's wonderful to be here, and thank you for extending the invitation. Well, you know, when we first talk on that podcast, uh, which is fantastic, and I really, really advise you to check it out if you are not familiar with it, you know, you spark something in me because these kind of activities, talking, interviewing, just sharing knowledge is something that has always resonated within me. And so it happens that at some point in the past few months, I saw this opportunity about how to learn to do podcasts and to get involved with it. And I just jump at that opportunity. So when I put my list of potential guests, definitely you had to be in there because you planted that seed in me. And um, I wanted to publicly acknowledge that. And thank you for inspiring me to move forward with, with this. Well, thank you so much, Leticia. And, you know, uh, it is a very inspirational thing to do this type of work. And uh, I'm very glad and pleased to hear that this is something that's motivated you and very, very excited about what you're doing as well. Thank you so much. And, and you know, my podcast is called Back to Basics, and it's about reconnecting to who we are. Mm. And you speak to a lot of CEOs, obviously, that's a uh, uh, all the guests in your podcast are really high-level executives, and then uh, you do talent recruiting for a living. So that component about certain qualities in each individual and who the best person is for certain jobs uh, is really important to you and what you do. Mm. And what I recognize or what I recognize in some of my conversations uh, in the business field and also on the personal side is that sometimes people are not fulfilled with what they're doing or they're not really motivated mm -hmm. to, and they're not living the life they want. So that's why I had the idea of inviting inspiring people such as yourself and have them share, you know, their journey and who they were as a kid, which is going to be my first question. <laughs> and, and then guiding me and my audience into that journey and hopefully inspiring us to see what 
adjustments can we make in our day-to-day lives to really achieving the life we want? Mm. Having said that, why don't you share with us uh, about your background, your upbringing, and mostly I want to know who were you as a kid, what you fantasized about, what were your mm. dreams about, what did you really like to do as a, as a kid? Well, that thank you so much. And uh, grew up in Southern California, the youngest of three brothers. Uh, mom and dad uh, stayed married for over 40 years uh, uh, when my dad uh, passed away at a young age in, in his early 70s, but was a terrific role model. Uh, education was a very important part. Uh, of our lives. My dad was an educator. He was a PhD and uh, taught uh, school for many years and then was a, a elementary school principal. So, you know, the focus on getting good grades and going to school and, you know, kind of being that uh, uh, focus on learning was, was, was always a very important part in our household. And I benefited from that. Interestingly, you know, I was thinking back to some of those childhood dreams. Um, I actually was very inspired by going to Disneyland as a kid. We were oh, in Southern okay. California and, uh, you know, went up to Anaheim often. And I remember actually building Handley Land, oh. right, where I envisioned having, you know, all these uh, various rides and things. I think it was I was probably five or six years old and, you know, made models and drawings of it. And then later in life, I actually went to work for Disney for about 10 years. Wow, so no coincidence there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing sometimes how those childhood dreams can come true. And, uh, you know, I worked both in the consumer products as well as the theme park business later in life. But, you know, I think pursuing your dreams uh, is a very important part of uh, what one is. And, you know, getting that education was something that was important for me. Um, I didn't quite go to the, the PhD level like my dad, but, uh, you know, finished top in my class in high school went on and got an honors uh, position in my undergraduate degree. And, you know, I think another area that was very fascinating to me, Letitia, was travel. Um, being the youngest of three and my brothers being, you know, seven and 10 years older, I benefited from uh, traveling with my parents first to Mexico and then to Europe and various ports in the Caribbean. So I, at a very early age, I uh, had an exposure to languages, se habla español también, and studied that growing up in California. And, um, you know, I ended up studying an international business degree because I really enjoyed travel and I felt that you know, I wanted to be able to leverage my language and my joy of travel with school. And sure enough, uh, when I was 20 and graduated from college, I ended up going abroad and I didn't come back to the U.S. for 20 years and uh, spent a good part of my early adult life in uh, professional positions with two great companies, as you mentioned in the, in the biography, Procter & Gamble, and then Disney. And again, that was another, you know, very inspiring dream at an early age. So, you know, I, I'm glad you asked that question. I think that's a very important part of who I am and who others can be. You know, dream big, reach for the stars, and if you get to the moon, that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I never did create Handley Land, but I did certainly <laughs> have a, a big influence actually created a theme park that traveled through Asia that was a traveling uh, park that led to Hong Kong Disneyland and then Shanghai and other expansions and then you know in my international career um, just had some wonderful experiences uh, doing a lot of new office building out a lot of new business uh, creation and that of course led ultimately to my work in in talent uh, executive recruitment and, uh, you know, I've really found my passion in that career. So uh, dreaming big 
uh, is certainly something that uh, I firmly agree agree with and, and was a big part of uh, who I became as an adult uh, from some of the dreams I had as a, as a child. Wow, that's fascinating, Brent. I mean, hearing what uh, what you were doing as a kid, that that's pretty amazing, that fascination with Disney. And then you ended up working there. And when I read your bio, I one of, of my questions also later on was going to be, how was it to work in Disney? Because this is a company that, you know, sells themselves as, you know, we make dreams come true, or this is, right. you know, like right. a dream. You're there, and I took my daughter hmm. two weeks ago, and I was telling a friend of mine that works there, I say, does it even stop, like, this excitement you feel? I mean, I'm 45. I still get very excited <laughs> when I walk into Magic it's Kingdom. It's true. You know? I do, too. I do, too. <laughs> right? And she said, no, I've been working here seven years, and I still get excited. Yeah, yeah. And um, so you probably also had to balance the fact that, yes, this is the company, what they do, but at the same time, there's, uh, you know, the political, maybe, you know, procedural aspect of, of any company. Sure. Um, so th th is that was that interesting to you, working in a place that it's so, you know, amazing, but then the in the back door, you, you get to deal with the day-to-day -day. <laughs> that might be like any other company? It's still work. Leticia, it's still work. And, you know, both my employers, I was about uh, nine years with Proctor and about 10 years with Disney after that. So, you know, a big part of my formative adult years were with those two companies. And they're both terrifically run companies. But yeah, you know, they're politics. Um, there were issues that I had. I had a lot of good bosses, but, you know, a few ones that also, you know, I wouldn't, I'd put on the other side of the ledger uh, to be mm -hmm. kind. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, what you learn, of course, in those companies is that it's hard work to be good. And, you know, I certainly enjoy, uh, have enjoyed a lot of the key principles that I learned, particularly at Proctor in the early days, how to write, how to communicate. Um, you know, I grew up in the brand marketing organization, so I learned a lot about the principles behind marketing. Of course, those all turned upside down when we got into the 2000s, and now everyone does social media and having to learn it all over again. But I think a lot of those principles still applied. With Disney, you know, the focus was really on the customer. You know, what did you need to do in order to really make the best customer experience. And that's hard. Um, you know, you've got to put your ego aside. You've got to be humble. You've got to really focus on what it is that's the best for them. And, you know, I, I'm sure I made mistakes along the way, but I really enjoyed that aspect of uh, learning from that company because I think that's where they really have become special. They so much focus on making that guest experience. You know, they don't call them customers. They call them guests, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, making that guest experience wonderful for every single person. And sometimes, um, you know, it's just one person one day that you can make something very magical happen. And, and that then creates the magic for you as well. And, uh, you know, those were, were terrific lessons to learn. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that, uh, you know, the politics and the bureaucracy were there. Um, you know, there were a lot of things that as I grew up and became more mature that I realized that, um, you know, I did want to be more entrepreneurial. I've been running my own business now for 10 years. I've been recruiting for 15. Um, and but, you know, I have to say, I look back with no regrets. I, I'm glad I had that very solid foundation of two wonderful companies learning a lot of terrific principles because I think in my own businesses now, and particularly with regards to making dreams come true for, for my candidates and my executives, right, and finding the jobs that they want, um, you know, I apply many of those same principles. Well, that's great. 
That's great. And then I want to go back to when you mentioned you went away for 20 years. You went traveling yeah. in terms of your job, probably took you to all these exciting places. And in those 20 years, you are exposed to new cultures, new places to live, new cities. Were there any moments where you struggled with staying true to who you are? I imagine that, um, you know, when you have this abundance of new things happening to you, you, you start just, you go on overdrive. Yeah. I, I've lived abroad myself. And, and so the, if that happened, what did you do or how did you stay true to who you were? Ah, very good question. Uh, it's two examples, one from each company. Um, you know, I didn't intend to go abroad for 20 years. It kind of happened that way, right? But after graduation, uh, I was involved in an organization where I did some international internships, and that led to my first full-time job with Procter. And uh, at P&G, after a first year of, of kind of getting assimilated with some uh, businesses in the Caribbean, believe it or not, uh, but I, uh, and including Venezuela, your home, mm -hmm. um, I uh, worked on the Middle East. And that was a real challenge. Um, you know, I was 23, 24 years old. Um, I didn't know a lot about it culturally. I'd been kind of developed as a card charging young brand assistant for Procter & Gamble. Um, and I was very, uh, you know, not in tune with the cultural difference differences of what happened in the Middle East. And I think on my very first trip down there, I stepped on a lot of toes. I made some insults. <laughs> and uh, I remember literally my boss telling me, you know, gosh, uh, we got a real problem. Uh, and I found out later one of the general managers had been called by one of the Saudi uh, uh, customers and they wanted to let me go. Oh, wow. And, you know, I had a boss who was Lebanese, grew up in the Middle East, um, who probably in his right you know, mind would have joined me for that trip. But I think he had a personal conflict or what have you and sent me down there on his own. And, you know, he laid down the sword. And he basically told that general manager that, look, this is my fault. Um, I sent Brandt down, you know, on his own. He didn't have, he'd never been to the Middle East before. Um, and, you know, he was the one who stood up for me and, you know, got me a pass mm -hmm. on that particular situation. And then on the next couple of trips went with me. And I learned so much through him. His name was Samir Hawa. Uh, he's retired now. But, you know, I learned a couple of things, first of all, about the culture from him and had some pretty exciting stories stories. But I also learned what it meant to be a true leader. And that is to be able to admit your mistakes and be able to stand up next to someone when, you know, those mistakes impact someone as, as brutally as they had with me. <laughs> um, because the last thing I wanted to do was, you know, get fired for my first job. Um, so, so that was a, a life-changing experience. And, you know, I've always been very attuned to learning more about the cultures before I travel, uh, even some bits of language, et cetera, uh, because I learned the hard way that not doing so, you know, really put my career at risk. Um, another experience uh, several years later, probably about a decade or so later, was with Walt Disney. And uh, I had been probably about six, nine months or so in the job. And I was in Asia and Singapore. I had an Australian boss that I had really admired and enjoyed working with. And in the first six, 12 months of that work, I was really, you know, kicking it, um, hitting my goals, if not exceeding it. I had my, you know, 10 years of Proctor experience. Um, but again, in another way, I wasn't as familiar with the Disney culture. 
which was very different from Procter. Both are very successful companies. But, you know, Disney is very creative, much more, um, you know, easygoing, collaborative, whereas Procter was very hard charging and very disciplined in their approach. And of course, not being culturally, <laughs> uh, you know, adapted uh, to that company culture. I was the hard charging, you know, person who was delivering it. And I'll, I'll never forget my boss was in Hong Kong and uh, I was in Singapore and he um, uh, flew down, you know, and said, you know, I want to meet you at 10 a.m. And, uh, you know, I'll come to the airport. And I was like, gosh, what's this is all about and so forth. And, and you know, I remember him walking into my office, you know, says, come and join me, walked in our conference room, didn't even sit down. And so, so, of course, I didn't sit down either and basically said he'd got a lot of complaints from uh, various employees and that bottom line, um, I needed to shape up or ship out and uh, fix it in six months or you're gone. And he wow. picked up his briefcase and walked out. You know, it was a it was a 15 minute meeting. Wow. And I was stunned because I wasn't getting a lot of feedback, but I knew that bottom line, um, I knew I needed to change something and I knew that it wasn't about the business because I was delivering that. It was about, you know, how I was treating people. And uh, I went to an executive recruiter that I'd used across the street who happened to be there in Singapore and presented my case. And he said, you need an executive coach. And of course, this is back in the, you know, early 90s and, and not something that was generally done. Anyway, long story short, introduced me to a guy by the name of Brian Bowerly. Brian did a whole, you know, slew of tests on me, the tests that I use all the time now in terms of psychographic and psychometric measurement. And, you know, he said, Brant, um, this is going to be really easy. You just need to use your feminine side. Okay. <laughs> I said, What's that? <laughs> um, but, you know, he coached me on how to better listen and interact and kind of get away from that proctor hard charging to much more of an assimilative collaborative type of culture. And I guess the big reward on that was not only did I get promoted in about six months, but then my boss, who, to be honest, was a lot more like me ended up hiring that same consultant and worked with him throughout his whole management team. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, that, that former boss is a good friend. In fact, uh, one of my partners in one of my businesses is his son-in-law. Uh, we worked together for 10 years, and we've been friends for 25. And, uh, you know, it was a very important experience, again, about how to adapt to company culture and the importance of doing that in, you know, new environments in Asia, of course, very, very different again than the Middle East and our Western cultures. And uh, that was a very valuable and learning experience for me. Well, very interesting. I mean, the, I can only imagine all those experiences you've gathered working for so long in, in, within cultures that are so very different than ours. So that that's fantastic. Now, moving into you know, the life, the work-life balance that a lot of people <laughs> like to touch upon because you got a very demanding career uh, traveling abroad. How did, how did that play out for you? Was it easy? Was it hard? Uh, you know, there were some challenges with it um, because I was so hard-charging and I traveled a lot. Um, and, you know, some, some uh, difficulties and damage along the way. I'm in my second marriage, and I would say that I attribute my, the dissolving of my first marriage to the fact that I didn't have that right balance. Um, I spent a lot more time traveling. You know, the joke always was that uh, my wife, ex-wife, and I would say that we lived in Singapore for 10 years, and she'd correct me, and she says, no, I've lived here for 10 years. You've lived here for five. <laughs> right, because that was so frequent. 
differently. So, you know, uh, there was a lot of things that I missed. My kids are now in their 20s and there were, you know, events and so forth that I missed growing up. I always tried to be there, but, you know, I really did put my career first. And uh, I've been happily married now for almost 15 years. And, uh, you know, I certainly have tried to strike a better balance. And I think, um, you know, part of that is really finding the passion of the work that you like and being able to think about it, not as work, right? But it's something that you really enjoy. And I've been blessed with uh, ROI and what we do in executive search with that. Um, and, and, you know, running your own business, as I'm sure you know as well, having grown up in a family business, is you've got a lot more flexibility with regards to, you know, when you work and how you work. Absolutely. You know, my wife, my wife doesn't mind if I put in a couple of, you know, 10, 12 hour days because she knows that I can take, you know, a, a day or two off and, and, you know, enjoy us together. For example, uh, after our podcast today, I'm, I'm, uh, we're, I'm in Connecticut today and at our home here and I'm taking my wife into the city for a surprise meal and a show oh, nice. um, and, you know, something that, uh, you know, she doesn't know much about. Uh, hopefully she's not listening in in the other room. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, you know, doing those types of things. And I think finding that balance is very, very key. And, you know, it frankly took me 20 years and, and, you know, going through a couple of different major corporations and one marriage to get to that. Yes. I'm a slow learner, Patricia. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're with most, I mean, most people. And this is why it has always been a fascination for me. I got married a little later. It took me a while to find the right person. So I got right. married at 34. And I remember right when I was about to get married, probably a month before, I was at the beauty salon and I'm reading a book about divorce. Oh, so everybody around me was like, are you crazy? And I say, I want to learn these things before they happen. I don't want to <laughs> read the book after You're it smart. happened, you know? <laughs> and it was so valuable. And when I sit down with people, even business, and they tell me, well, I was married before for 22 years. And I hear this a lot. I was yeah. married 22 years and we got divorced and it was just my 10 year anniversary. So I want to know about these people because I want to know about what happened, you know, because most of the times are things like this. Well, I put career first yep. and maybe I could have avoided it. And I, I want to understand the signs so that I can prevent them. And obviously it's not the main subject of this podcast, but it is in a way because as as long as you stay true of, of uh, about yourself and who you are, I think you have a higher chance to, you know, make it in every aspect of your life, Probably professionally agree. and personally. And uh, hearing you saying, yeah, when I started my own company, then a whole lot of different windows open because now I can do this and I can do that. And a lot of people, I think they believe they have no options mm. when in reality they have a lot of options. It's just that fear of committing to their dreams. What makes them stop on their tracks. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, and I, I wouldn't uh, be lying to you if I said it hasn't had its challenges because, you know, when you run your own business, particularly in the early days, there's always a lot of risks there and the rewards don't come. But, you know, I think, again, being true to your passion uh, with the work you do, but ensuring that you keep things in perspective, that, you know, family is first and, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're working to live, not living to work. <laughs> Absolutely. And you have to work with people you enjoy working with. At Absolutely. least I, I, I talk about with other entrepreneurs and people that, you know, we get flexibility into choosing who we partner with or which route we go. And we say, ultimately, I don't want to work with 
a jerk, you know? I don't want to work with this guy that just walks in, treats everybody badly mm. just because he has money and he can fund us. And that staying true to that essence is hard because, as you say, we, you have other demands and your business has other demands. But at the same time, um, you have to think about, does this represent the essence of my business and what I want to achieve and personally how that's impact me? Absolutely. And, uh, and so that, that's great. And, you know, the one thing that motivated me to do this podcast is the question about what makes us tick. Like, what is it within us? That, what is it that you're doing? If you had one hour to go somewhere and you say, I did this and I feel alive. I feel I'm brand. This is really what I'm, uh, I'm all about. Is there anything that goes to your mind when I say these words? You know, it sounds a little corny, Letitia, but, I... <laughs> but my response is very simple. I really love impacting people's lives. Um, one of the very first placements I made eight, nine years ago when I started this company is still working for that company. And I had dinner with him um, in his second location. He's been recently relocated. And, you know, he looks younger. He looks happier. Um, it makes me so proud and you know, I, I got paid for that years ago, right? But I stay in touch with him. He's not only given me business in the past, but he's been a great friend. He's been a resource when I've had other searches. He's a, a VP of manufacturing and supply chain for a major uh, consumer products company. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll go to him and he's very quick to respond. I have a little note in my, my calendar every year when he hits his anniversary date and I always drop him a note. And, you know, for me, that's the intrinsic benefit of what I do. Now, I'd like to say that all of my placements have stayed. Um, that's not, in fact, the case, probably 10% or so of the 15 or, you know, 18 I do every year. So multiply that by 10 years, you know, there's probably 15 or 20 folks that haven't been able to stay, but the vast majority have. And, you know, I take great pride in that, um, not only because it helps me with my business and, you know, when people ask me uh, as a, you know, potential prospect, you know, what can I say about my service? That's one of the things I cite. And, you know, many of those placements, as well as my clients are willing to talk to my prospe prospects about them. And the fact that half my business every year is repeat is testimony to the fact that, you know, the work I do is very much appreciated. That means a lot to me. Um, you know, uh, a job is a very important part of what a person does over the course of their lives. Typically, they spend more time doing that than, than sleeping or even spending time with their family. And therefore, you know, they're major life decisions. And, you know, being a small part in making a connection with someone that moves into a job where they just truly love it and they're able to change their lives because of it is something that, um, you know, really makes what I do uh, you know, quite, uh, 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 you know, happy, uh, makes me a happy man, but also makes me feel quite accomplished in, in the work that I do. It's a meaningful job. You're really making an impact in, in what you're doing and in the lives of people you touch. You're a matchmaker in a way. Yeah, pretty much so. Yeah. So you, you know, want, you want, just as a real estate agent may take pride in selling someone their dream home, you know, I take great pride in, in matching someone with their dream job. Well, that's no small achievement, Brent. And I'm, witness that you like also to build relationships and nurture relationships because I mean we we never met in person unfortunately but in 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 you know in the interaction we had initially when when I was part of your podcast you were able to do that very efficiently and I think that's also something that comes natural to you 
and you've been able to translate those trends and that passion into what you're doing on a daily basis. And that's why I have the feeling that you are a happy person. Well, and you know, that's a real secret too. I think, you know, to the, to thy own self be true. Um, if, if each of us can spend some time and I know that that coaching that I did in my, uh, thirties was incredibly important in getting in touch with who I am. But I think each of us has to really find out what it is that makes us tick and find work that really is aligned with what that is. Um, and you know, that's what I try to do in my search work because not every person that has the qualifications is a good fit for my client. And it is sometimes going through 50 or 100 of the folks that have the qualifications to find that person that I think is really going to be a good cultural fit in that company. And I think with each of us with our jobs, that same effort is necessary. Um, I see so many people that are unhappy in the work they've done. And usually it's because they're trying to, you know, swim upstream. Whereas if they really understood themselves better, you know, they'd be in a, in a work environment that uh, is more aligned with who they are personally. Wow, that's a fantastic way to to say thank you for, for your time, Brent. I think our listeners are going to have a lot to think about also on the work-related aspect. In, are we doing what makes us happy and can we make any changes where we would feel more fulfilled in our professional lives and that way um, taking a step forward to a happier life. So thanks so much for joining me. And I do wish you and your wife a fantastic uh, little date today. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. And thank you for allowing me to tell my story. Thank you, Brand. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And until the next time. Bye.